pets hold a special place in our families and in our hearts. So it's always devastating when they're stolen or they go missing. Anne-Marie Curry founded and runs Sydney's Pet Detective Service, Arthur and Co., which she describes as the only comprehensive detective service in Australia. Uh, It's been in existence since 2017, and she boasts an 80% success rate. Anne-Marie carries with us now. Hi. Good morning. Can you tell me, Anne-Marie, what what a comprehensive pet detective service is? Yes. Uh, So we start with case profiling, and that's the first and most important step of any case that we that we take on or or consult on. Uh, And from there, depending on the details, the circumstances, uh, the pets age, breed, all of those sorts of very, very relevant and very critical details, we then uh, tailor our investigative or search approach um, to try and locate and retrieve the missing or stolen um, pet. And so we use everything from, you know, the, the standard stuff like posters, flyers and going house to house and making house to house inquiries uh, through to... Uh, uh, high-tech uh, trail cameras, uh, thermal drones, drain, CCTV robots, um, private investigators doing surveillance uh, and, uh, and search and trapping and tracking as well. Are pets going missing more these days on account of the fact that they often cost an awful lot of money? I think the... Uh, look, I, that's a great question, and it's the answer is to, in two parts. So pets are being stolen more these days due to uh, the increase in in value of pets, um, uh, but also I think that pets have always long gone missing. Um, There is greater happens now uh, because of I think we're losing way in, in Anne Marie. You know, tied we up can, out the back on a chain. You keep you keep dropping out. I'm not sure whether we can improve the reception at all. What are you on? I'm on. Um, uh, I've got four bars. <laughs> I've got four bars. Well, let's keep on going. <laughs> let's keep on going and see if you can carry on. Um, so COVID, right? People immediately rushed out and got a companion animal. And then it seems to me a few of them might have lost interest. I wondered whether that was part of the problem. Look, we've certainly seen uh, an increase in the skyrocketing in of, of the value of pets uh, during COVID because of the supply-demand issue. Uh, and uh, and as a result of that, more pets were targeted for, you know, for theft. Uh, but yes, uh, once people then, once the world opened back up, 
uh, opened up again, uh, we did see quite a number of, of pounds and, and animal rescues over, overwhelmed with um, voluntary surrenders as well. Your company is called Arthur & Co. Can I ask who Arthur is or was? Arthur is uh, my Dachshund. Um, he was the former resident tracking dog, so he has travelled all across Australia on uh, cases uh, that required scent tracking. Um, and uh, he's now retired and uh, appointed himself chief of security. <laughs> <laughs> so you would you would give him a sniff of something that belonged to the missing pet, and off he'd go. Mm. That's correct. Yes. Yep. Yes. So he would. He uh, ductions are notorious for their for their noses, um, uh, and when trained properly, uh, yes, they can. They make very very good uh, tracking dogs. They're very intelligent to breed, and so Arthur would get uh, either a toy or a blanket or something from from the missing pet, and off he would go um, into the wilderness, often with me in tow. <laughs> If if he's retired, have you got a replacement tracking animal? No, I haven't yet uh, replaced Arthur. No, no, Arthur is. Um, uh, we we haven't yet tra- fully trained up uh, a new tracking dog. No, you don't want to offend Arthur's sensibilities, after all. That's right. That's right. So you claim actions are very easily offended. Yeah, that's right. Um, you claim, Anne-Marie, that you've got 80% <laughs> success rate. Is that mm. what I'm trying to work out, I suppose, is how many pets are actually stolen and how many just wander off and go missing? So uh, when a pet wanders off and goes missing you know, through of its own volition, you know, a tradesman leads a gate open or fireworks go off on New Year's or a thunderstorm, uh, you know, frightens them and they jump the fence. So there are all sorts, you know, p- people leaves a window open and a cat gets out. Um, uh, so there is, there is very definitely a, a huge volume of pets who, who go missing under those sorts of circumstances. However, what we're seeing an emergence of is uh, people then find those pets when they're missing uh, and don't take steps to reunite them with their with their owners and instead either keep them for themselves or sell them on or give them away, uh, gift them to a girlfriend, all of those sorts of things. So it's that's what we call theft by finding. So they haven't actually set out to steal an animal that day or take an animal that day but they've stumbled upon one, found it, become attached to it, uh, and or, or seen an opportunity to make money and, and done that. So opportunistic. Mm, yes, opportunistic theft by finding, yes. As opposed to, and presumably this does happen, people breaking into a backyard and snatching a dog. Yes, where we do see quite a quite a number of cases of, of uh, house home invasions, uh, where the animal either gets taken as a part of that home invasion or, or backyard theft, um, uh, and uh, so that's really where um, that can be very very distressing for the owners um, uh, and and very distressing for the pet, and that's really a case of of time being of the essence. 
So when people steal, break in and steal, is it to order? What do they want to do? Do they want to breed? Is there a fighting dog scene? Motivations vary. Uh, when a pet is 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 is, a, is taken um, as a result of a targeted planned theft, um, it's it is usually a you know to order, or um, uh, or there is an, an an ownership dispute, or what police may deem an ownership dispute, where you know someone believes they've got your title to that pet or they want it back um, and they instead of going through the proper civil court processes they take matters into their own hands and you know take it um, either via a home invasion or or through an opportunity where the pet is unattended um, and uh, there is you know yes in Australia we do have uh, illegal dog fighting rings but of all the hundreds of cases that I've worked on uh, I could only say that uh, certainly one, possibly two, uh, have been stolen as a result of of a, of a you know for a dog fighting ring. I wondered what you do in those circumstances of say a relation breakup, a marital breakup, where you know one person refuses to return the dog or takes the dog. There's can you get involved in that kind of legal dispute? Look, um, n- not really, uh, simply because it is that is a, a, a matter of, of um, property settlement. In, a, you know, in Australia, pets are, are still considered property. Um, and so when a relationship breaks down, um, uh, the pet forms part of of that that agreement on who gets to keep and take what. Um, however, what we do see is cases where lawyers don't factor the pet into that property uh, settlement and agreement, and so the pet is kind of left out of it. And uh, and so more and more when clients ring us with that with that sort of a situation, we say please ensure that your lawyer, your family lawyer. You know, in, you know, includes the pet in that in that property settlement. Uh, um, but but we also see cases, and this is where we can get involved. Is is where um, you know perhaps a property settlement has occurred, and and the, the pet is 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 then legally owned by one party, and and then after the fact, um, a um, uh, the other party may may you know take the pet. Um, we also see cases of pets going missing, you know, miraculously from from some, you know, pet sitters or um, uh, sort of some boarding kennels and training facilities as well. Um, and so that's where we, we can certainly get involved in those cases. What, what status do pets have? I know the law varies, but are they regarded as property or as... Or as more than property. In other words, if you take them, is it just an ordinary sort of property theft? Correct. Yes, there are some states that are making some changes, but in Australia, they are still they are still it, it would be the same, treated the same by police as if someone stole a, a laptop or a, or an iPhone or a television. 
Would you like? So there's to see- no sentient. No. There's no sentient welfare concerns. No. Um, attached to the prioritisation of that of that theft. I mean, presumably, you'd like to see that changed. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, when a, when there is clear cut, even when there is clear cut evidence uh, of a of a of a theft occurring uh, and of a crime being committed, um, in only about five percent of the cases that we work on, do we see police actually take the case on and investigate it? I don't know whether you've ever got involved in finding a dolphin, as in Ace Ventura. What's been the most interesting animal that you've had to track down? Oh, we've, look, we mainly do dogs and cats. Uh, we've done a few horses. Uh, we've had it. We've, we've worked on a, a, the theft of a therapy pig. Um, we've worked on the theft of a rescue goat. Um, Arthur was asked once to come and track a missing python. Uh, which we declined because <laughs> um, uh, I could just see, uh, you know, the, the python kind of strangling Arthur perhaps, but but also a, a, a python would be very difficult for a dog to track based on the way that they move. Um, so we've certainly had some, some interesting cases. We've been asked to find birds, of course. Um, we've never been asked to find a fish. No, no, they don't wander off very often, do they? I was reading about uh, I was reading about Tara, the internationally famous cat. Can you tell me about Tara, please? Ah, so the Bondi vet case. Um, yes, that was a, a huge case. Uh, the vets hired us to find uh, Tara. Uh, so there were two cats, one called Tara, one called Lara. And it was a, a case of mistaken identity when, when Lara's owners turned up to pick up Lara, there was a, an error uh, and um, uh, instead the owners were given Tara. And uh, the, when they got home with the cat, you know, all secured in, the, in its cat carrier and opened it up, out pops Tara, who then, of course, freaked out because she didn't know the house or the people and she took off out the back door. And Tara and Lara was still safely secured at the vet where Tara should have been in boarding. Um, and so a 30-day search uh, ensued for to find uh, to find Tara. Um, and uh, we, we you know, and it was such a huge case because there was so much media about it. And as a, when there's media or when there's huge volumes of of public awareness, we we do see members of the community, well-meaning, um, you know, taking matters into their own hands. And, and, and so a huge part of the case was really trying to rein in um, uh, that sort of community help uh, to make sure that it was actually helpful instead of detrimental to the search for, for, for Tara. Uh, because what 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 a lot of people don't appreciate, in, in, and indeed even owners don't appreciate, is that just because a pet isn't coming to its name when it's called, it does not mean that it's not there. And we saw that evidenced, uh, di- you know, directly with with the case of Tara, because the the owner and I were standing two meters from the exact spot that we trapped her only 12 hours before and the owner was calling her and she did not come, uh, but she was there because we trapped her 
uh, 12, 12 hours later. But, um, but a key part to that case was removing the cat that had a reign of terror over the territory called Bug. So Bug was actually trapped first and he went on an all-expenses-paid staycation to the vets with his owner's permission, of course, and, um, uh, and that then enabled us to, to trap and retrieve Tara because Bug had been bashing her up and having a little bit of a territory, a little bit of a territory war. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts in that story. So many moving parts and so much behind the scenes that, that the public never see and could never possibly um, appreciate. Uh, that's where we had a drain robot go down the drains. We had analysis of fur that we found. Um, a drain robot. Did all of the- obviously the cat wasn't down the drain, but how often do you do that, search the drains? Look, any time there's there's a possibility that a cat has entered a, a drain network, they can they can very easily get in, uh, but but not so easily get out. And um, and should a storm hit, uh, you know that's quite quite um, concerning. So whenever there's a, a a cat that may have entered the, usually search the drains. And do people often? Or do you, of your own accord, put up a reward? Uh, look, yes, people do put up a reward. We see a lot of rewards being offered. Um, we don't advise putting up rewards for missing or stolen pets um, for a variety of reasons. Um uh but yeah we we do and and not on cases certainly not on ca- not all cases that of missing pets we're working on but you know just by awareness of what's out there we do see quite a lot of people putting up rewards um some of them quite hefty you know had 5 10 25,000 dollar rewards um being offered um so a reward strategy needs to be managed very carefully because we, when you put up a reward or when an owner puts up a reward it um certainly increases the amount of bogus sightings and uh, bad intel um, yeah. and uh, and that will then often lead owners down lots of rabbit holes uh, believing that their pet is is you know <laughs> down there and they're not and you know with any sort of profiling you can quickly assess that they're not and that that's a bogus sighting but desperate owners trying to find their own pets themselves don't don't think that way and and so they just race to, to every possible sighting and usually end up incredibly exhausted and quite um, ha- impacts their mental health quite a bit too. I wondered what set you off on this career path. It's not a commonly imagined life plan. <laughs> um. I had my own experience with a missing pet when I was a child uh, and that, that pet, that dog, was never found. And this is before the days of, of microchips and those sorts of things. Um, and then fast forward, you know, 30-odd years later, uh, a tradesman let, uh, left a window open and our rescue indoor-only cat got out and it was my son's cat. And, and what I really realised was um, that... Uh, 
you know, not a lot of change in those 30-odd years from a child to a, you know, an adult uh, in terms of what, what services are available for, for a missing or stolen pet. And, um, uh, you know, if a child goes missing, we see full police task forces, you know, dedicated to finding them. But but if a pet goes missing or is stolen, there's sort of real no, there, there wasn't any formal, investigative, comprehensive tailoring and um, uh, services out there. So we started one. So we, we very much model it on a police methodology. Excellent to talk to you. Thank you. Anne-Marie Curry, whose business is called Arthur & Co, Pet Detective Agency in Sydney.